this is going to really age me, but when, when I was a child and watched black and white TV, um, there was a woman um, who had a program called Romper Room. Anyone ever hear of Romper Room? Whoa. And her name was Miss Jean. And what Miss Jean would do is she'd hold up, like, basically a, um, a plastic thing that, that she could look through. It was like a mirror without the mirror in it. And she'd go like this, and she'd say, I see Rowan, I see Galen, I see Trellis, I see Marguerite, I see Keith. I could name a lot more of you. And she'd say, how are you today? You know, I hear that you're sick, or I hear that something happened, you know, for you in school or something. So, I don't know, whenever I start to look at everybody, I think of Miss Jean, and I see all of you, and um, I feel like I'm with my peeps, you know. And I may not look like you're my my peeps, but I think of you as my peeps. So, um, yeah, I'm glad to be with you. So um, tonight, I'd uh, like to talk a little bit and engage with you a bit about what is meditation, and specifically how uh, meditation leading us to holding ourselves dear, holding ourselves dear. Not so long ago, I was in a group meeting, and... Um, Something came up, and somehow I was sharing a story. In the, and in this, in this meeting, I'm a teacher to some of the people, and um, it, a story came up that I was telling that I felt I didn't plan on telling it. it wasn't, I wasn't teaching a class or anything. It was just a group meeting together. I didn't plan on telling the story, but um, there it was coming out of my mouth, and it was really a vulnerable story. It was a story about how I had been hurt by someone. And I could feel like my face get hot and my stomach was kind of tight and I I was kind of watching it like, I can't believe this is happening, like I'm sharing this. And I just remembered even feeling like a little kid, like metaphorically I had no clothes on. And and I looked around and maybe it was like six other people and the the expression in their faces was was love. It was kindness. And it was, it was like, it was almost like a, an electric shock, you know, of just, I could, I, I could feel it. I mean, in the midst of, I can't believe this is happening, I could feel this uh, compassion and love from the people around me. Meanwhile, I was feeling shame. And I spent, you know, maybe a few hours afterwards really regretting, like, oh, I wish I could take, could I take that back? Could I redo that? I wish I had myself more together. How did, I, how, how did that come out of me like that? And then something started to shift when I, thought, when I thought about or reflected on what was coming back to me. And I could start to take it in and feel like what a profound gift it was, actually. It was a profound gift. And then the second thing was like, wow, you know, there's a little, like, there's a little bit of arrogance and, you know, or, or like we could call it delusion. What do I mean by delusion? Like, it's not even possible 
to not be vulnerable. Why? Because we're alive. We're in it. Here it is. Um, But my mind was telling me I could control it. I should have done it differently. There was all this shame that came up, all this this thinking in my mind that I should be something other than that expression of pure vulnerability and hurt. So I reflected on this a lot. I actually gave a little talk about it like I am now because the, the gift in it was this realization that this vulnerability of being alive is absolutely unavoidable. And the great lie is, the great lie, the, the reference, that outer reference point, is somehow it's not supposed to be that way. And actually, if it is that way, you haven't figured it out, right? You haven't done something right. Anyone else relate to what I'm saying? Yeah, just a few people. A few more. Oh, a few more even. <laughs> Thanks, not so alone. Then we, we add to this, you know, we add to this experience like, well, you know, all these different identities in this world that we embody, you know, who we are, what's good, what's acceptable, based on the size of my body, the gender, the skin color, how much money I have, how old I am, what kind of class background I'm from. You know, you all know what I'm talking about. You know, and, and, the, and the more those hierarchical things, what's valued in the world, uh, the more they're uh, uh, more conventionally and uh, proportionally valued, the more I might feel pretty shitty about myself. That's kind of putting it mildly. Not good enough. Don't belong. Have to change myself. Anybody relate to this? Yeah. More hands. More hands. Anybody want to go home today? Oh, come on. There's got to be way more hands than that. Who wanted to go home today? Yeah. I mean, this is not easy. It's like, what is the story I'm telling you have to do with meditation? I I can only speak to you personally, from my personal experience. For me, a lot. A lot. You know, I grew up in a a family where you, if if a man cried, you were failing. The only time I saw my father cry was when his I can't remember if it was his father or his mother. I think it was when my, my grandfather died. And uh, he started to cry, and it freaked me out. And I was like 20. And my mother came in the room, and she's like, shh, you know, don't. You know, she's kind of telling him not to cry. Like, that's the culture I grew up in. And I have a brother, and uh, I'm trying to think if I've ever seen him cry. I don't know. I have to think about that more, which says something. Um, so when one of my retreats that I sat on here early on in my practice, I was just sitting in my cushion, and all of a sudden I heard this, this you know, sounds of crying in the room. 
then I opened my eyes and I saw, at least my perception at the time, that it was a man. And it just exploded my heart open, exploded it open. Like, oh, this is the beauty of life. This is the truth of life. This is the connection of life that we all share, no matter what bodies we're in or what worlds we live in. And I do not in any way mean to minimize the huge impact of difference in race and culture, sexual orientation, gender identity, how that impacts how we're received, respected, even the safety of our lives within that. We live in that. It's unavoidable. No matter what we think or feel about it, it's unavoidable. So how do we, how do we work with it? That's, that's what we're in. That's the... That's the, hmm, the mosaic that we're in together here. It's all happening in this silence. You know, it's all happening. You sit on your cushion and you think, I'm not doing it right. How many people today have felt, I'm not doing it right, I'm not doing it right. What's right? You know, this is some idea of, you know, okay, if they said pay attention to body and breath, if all of a sudden my mind is full of like, I hate this. Who thought that today? I hate this. Yeah. Oh, that shouldn't be there. That shouldn't be there. How could that possibly be there? Uh, Because it is? Uh, Because it's part of our living experience? Because it's part of being a human being? That's why it's there. This is what I meant last night about courage. No, that courage to turn towards what's happening. That sounds so cliched. You hear it in mindfulness circles all the time. Turn towards what is. Turn towards what is. You know, but what does it really mean? I mean, what, what really happens when you turn towards what is? Could anyone share maybe, if you haven't shared yet, um, what happened today when you all of a sudden didn't fight with your experience? What did you notice? Thank you, Galen. <laughs> Ugly to beautiful. Thank you. Rowan. Fell asleep. So you noticed falling asleep, or did you notice you were? Yeah. Cool. It is so cool to notice sleepiness. It's kind of trippy, actually. What else? Oh, wait a minute. Where's oh? There you are. Hi, Zach. Time felt faster. Wow. On a silent meditation retreat, time felt faster for you. Wow. Interesting. Was that pleasant for you? Like, yeah, it was kind of pleasant, kind of interesting. Yeah, all right. 
Ansel? Just how much tension I was carrying in my shoulders. Mm -hmm. And what was it like when you turned your attention to that tension? Started to fade a little bit. It's different when you're not trying to get rid of it, isn't it? Counterintuitive. We want to get rid of what doesn't feel good. Yes. Um, what did you notice? Oh, that's great. I'm so glad you're interested. What did you notice when you turned your attentions toward whatever was happening? Mm-hmm. Wow. So I noticed a lot of stuff was going on in my head and I just noticed it. It was almost like the pause button got pressed. Hey, maybe I am doing this right. Sometimes we get a little space in between thought, but you can't like make it happen. You know, it just shows up. Yes. And what was that like? Mm-hmm. Swimming in the pool with my childhood best friend. Was that a pleasant memory? Kind of sweet. You know, we don't always remember sweet things either, right? But that's uh, just just notice what arises. There's something you haven't thought about in a long time. Yeah, Sunyata. Outpouring of emotion that just took you by surprise. No idea that it was there. Mm-hmm. Yes, like we think we know ourselves, but then when we just we just open and turn towards, it's a world, isn't it? Unexplored. Exactly it. Yeah. Wow. Liana, is there, would you, not to put you on the spot, but I'm guessing other people noticed mind patterns that they weren't comfortable with. Is there any you might be willing to share with a little more specifically? If not, that's okay. Yeah. Thinking about the future, am I going to be successful? And that thought affects everything I do. Is that, did I have that right? Other people have that experience? Yeah. Please. Some, I'm saying some people's names that I know, so if I, can you say your name? Oh, Abby. Abby? Abby. Like, become a certain place, and I get to like this peaceful, like, um, this like, 
she's like, I know she's okay, or no, I'm okay, but it's like, it's just kind of crazy to see how that pattern kind of plays out in a very unique way. Mm-hmm. It's like, you would expect it to have like this like crazy, like chaotic um, resolution, but it's actually peaceful. It's peaceful. It's peaceful to notice something painful that happened. Yeah, Is your dog okay now? You had to put her down. Sorry. That's hard. So even there's something in your mind or heart that you can open to that. Can you say something about what do you mean by that's peaceful? Yes. So I think it's just like with meditation or just like being in your thoughts and just thinking like it's okay, it's happening now, I want to go, let it go, I want to move on and continue to deal with it. You have to feel the wound before you can heal from them. You are saying something that this quote that I wanted to read, this is from um, David White. Did everyone hear what um, Abby was saying? Like, so basically turning towards heartache, loss, and there was a peace in that. And now that may sound contradictory, but perhaps the peace has something to do with this. If heartbreak is inevitable and inescapable, does anybody uh, disagree with that? Does anyone in here think that you can avoid heartbreak? You can avoid it? I think you can, but I think it hurts you more. Mm-hmm. 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 Almost like a numbing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we can maybe tell, think of that as avoiding heartbreak yeah. because we're numb, but it's its own kind of heartbreak. Yeah. So this is what David White says. If heartbreak is inevitable and inescapable, he's an Irish poet, by the way, if heartbreak is inevitable and inescapable, it might be asking us to look for it and make friends with it. Maybe that's a long stretch, but how about at least if it's there, what does he mean by make friends? Probably means like meet it the way Abby is speaking about it. Like we meet it with, we could call it compassion. We meet it with a, a heart that cares. One of the ways in Buddhism they talk about compassion, a compassionate heart. It's, it's, a, it's a heart that could feel a fly land on it. It's that sensitive. It's that tuned in. It's that attuned. So that, that you, you make friends with it by being with that pain and by caring, really, about your experience, like caring about, wow, that happened. You know, it's kind of an interesting thing. Like when we start to open to our own experience of heartbreak, what starts to happen, doesn't it? We realize like, ah, you know, if this one has heartbreak, and then you start, the wisdom starts to come in, like it's not my fault, right? Heartbreak is not my fault. That's different from recognizing, ooh, I just said something or someone gave me feedback, they said something that was harmful or microaggression or hurt them. We're not not saying, that's not my fault. We're saying, oh, I want, because I care, I want to take responsibility for it. I want to 
own it. We can't avoid disappointing each other. Why? Because we're human. So if that heartbreak is unavoidable, can we see it as our constant and instructive companion? Heartbreak asks us not to look for an alternative path, which is what Emma was speaking to, because there is no alternative path. You know, unless you want to get addicted to drugs or, you know, go numb or, you know, if we think of all the strategies that we may go towards for comfort, food, sex, you know, I'm not, we're not saying like all these things are bad, right? But some of the way we can kind of use them, oh, like social media, phones, someone talked about phones the first night, like get me away. What are we trying to get away from? What are we trying to get away from? Anybody? Yeah. Interesting. If I'm in a room, nobody's saying anything, I might just pull my phone out. Yeah. So how's it been here for you where, you, you know, you yeah, haven't been... I find myself like, I don't know if it's in my hand sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Because you're like, oh, wait, wait, it's not there. Yeah. Good. Good. Not being comfortable with ourselves, just sitting there. Yeah. It's kind of another distraction in a way, really. It gives you something to do. Yeah. Yes. Can you say your names again? Charlie. Charlie. Tapping out, yeah, wanting to have contact. Well, sometimes we do need to tap out, don't we? So, are there are there maybe you know there aren't there that maybe it gets used for that. Like, what do you do if you want some space to yourself, or maybe you have too much space to yourself and you want to have more contact? I mean, who knows? Everyone may be coming into this retreat with something different. Like several of you said, I'm really. I want rest. You know, like, do you ever feel like, just like you wake up and like, shut up. Like, ah! You know, there's so much going on all the time, inside, outside. So then we come here and you get this, you know, these instructions or these suggestions to, you know, slow down, pay attention. And what do you notice? Like, ah! You know, or, you know, conking. And, you know, if you, if you're, Finding yourself sleepy on, you know, today or throughout the whole day, guess what? Don't worry about it. I mean, that's really normal. We're kind of going from this busy, okay, look at the phone, do this, go here, do that, to sitting still, walking slowly, sitting still again, walking slowly again, you know, then having some social interaction, you know, or some meaningful time in the group, and then afterwards, you know, going for lunch and maybe talking to other people, or maybe like, I don't really want to talk to anybody. And it looks like the norm here is that when it's talking time, you're supposed to talk with other people. 
Has anyone given themselves permission to just go to your room and take a rest and not talk? Great. Excellent. That's what you, you know, you can give that to yourself on a retreat. It's really listening to your, to yourself. Like what, what's, you know, obviously there's a lot we're saying this is, you know, it's mandatory to come to this set. Let me just say a little bit about that. Thank you. And those two people that want to speak, I just want to say one thing about that. I'll get back to you. Um, the reason why that we say it's mandatory is, anyone know why? Ooh, that's an enlightened answer. It's true. That is true. Uh, But it's like you know, you you know, it's someone else is saying it. Maybe it's not mandatory to you. The the thing is, nobody would come. And it's true. You know, like at the uh, not to out anybody, but today at the uh, extended practice, how many yogis did you have? We have two fantastic yogis. All right, two. And that's common. So that's not, I'm not trying to guilt trip anybody. It's common, actually. Um, It's hard. That's why. It's not because anyone did anything wrong. It's hard. It's hard to sit and walk. And you are all awesome. Don't we all agree? They're like, you are like amazing to sit with. You might think you're sitting there and I'm not doing it really right and this and that. And we look out and we see like, wow, you're all still here. You know, you're here, you're, 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 you're making this effort, you're checking it out, you're wanting to learn something, your, your answers obviously are filled with wisdom and care, kindness. Not a bad deal. Maybe it's worth it. And you know what? Maybe it's worth it even when your mind is saying, this sucks. That's going to be on tape. <laughs> You know, it, we don't always feel good, like anywhere, anytime, including on retreat. If a matter of fact, what happens on retreat, really, it's like there's a loudspeaker in your mind. It's all quiet, there's birds, you know, you hear the bell, hear some words up here, and your mind is like a loudspeaker. Anyone notice that? You'll notice it more tomorrow because probably today you were pretty tired. The first day, people are really, really tired. But after, you know, you, might, you get a little more settled and you really start to notice like, wow, this mind has a lot going on. So don't worry, you're not crazy. That's just what happens in our minds. It, it, they flit around. They flit to, you know, I really want this. I really, what, what's for lunch? How can I make things better? Or they flit to... Um, Get me out of here. You know, I would have a much better time if I stayed home and hung out with my friends. And believe me, I have beloved adult friends who've come on retreat, gone through that because it's not mandatory for them. They get in their car, they drive home, get home. My wife, get home. It's like, "Mm, what am I doing here? I think I'm going back to the retreat. Drive back, sit on the retreat. Because, you know, wherever you go, there you are. So it's not like you're going to get somewhere else that's going to be a whole lot better. Even though we tell ourselves that, don't we? About a lot of things. It's going to be better. You know? Or maybe sometimes mind goes, it's going to be worse. That can come up too. And that can feel scary. So then in those moments we might say, okay, that's thinking about the future. The truth is we don't really know what's next. I don't know what I'm going to say next. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
waiting. <laughs> Just noticing saying that, it kind of stills my mind. What else? What else is in your mind and heart in being here? Anyone? Kaylin? I just want to say that um, I'm kind of shocked by how much of a relief it is hearing you say these things. <laughs> Even after, you know, five years of doing this, I realized just, like, I found myself crying because like, I realized just how much pressure I, you know, I put on myself to be perfect. <laughs> Especially at, at meditating. And, you know. So thank you. Mm, thank you. Who thinks they need to be perfect? Who has mastered it? (laughs) All right, you all come up here and we'll sit out there. (laughs) It's a hell realm. And it predominates. Predominates in our world, really. Yeah. And I think that we I guess aren't very mindful of the things we use to excuse other kinds of discomfort outside um, in the real world. And we use things like technology, like food, like drugs or alcohol, um, to numb discomfort without necessarily knowing that's what we're doing. Yeah. That is so insightful. Because that takes some of the shame out of it, and, it, and it, sh- it should, so to speak, take it out, because we don't know. We're just looking to feel better. There's nothing wrong with that. It actually kind of makes sense. So it's very counterintuitive that you're hearing these, these, these suggestions to turn your attention towards what feels difficult. How can that possibly feel good? And that, look what Abby said. It's about her losing her dog that she could turn her attention towards that loss and feel peace. Why? Because she's, she's accepting the truth. She's accepting, yeah, this is part of life. I can, you know, when we can open to it's like this, even when it's difficult, there's, there's a possibility, maybe even I would go as far as saying a probability of accessing just a little bit of peace. You know, when we, when we have in our mind, I'm, I'm turning my attention to this so it'll go away. Then you just feel this tight contraction. You start like, how? You get into strategy, to strategize, to get away from what feels difficult. But if we just turn toward it and it's like, ouch, or hating, hating, hating. How many people had um, an easy time offering loving-kindness to your difficult person? So just one person is raising their hand. That is, definitely want to hear from you in a minute. Um, I remember the one time, the only way that I could even slowly approach that. 
And one way it's taught when, you know, when you are suggested that is to go with an easy, difficult person, not your worst enemy. So if you went to your worst enemy, it's almost like you get repelled. You know, how can you send love to someone you hate? And it's, it can feel impossible. So one way that helped me one time is that I tied the person up in my mind and I gagged them and I put them in a chair and I had them like just at the right distance for me so I could, you know, say, like, may you be happy. <laughs> and, it, you know, it worked. But that might not work for you and that's okay. Like real, it's, it's, it's so more than okay that if it doesn't work for you, you want to turn your attention towards ouch, like this human being for whatever reason and there may be many and none may be acceptable for good reason, none of it may be acceptable that you just touch in even a teeny bit this hurts this hurts and then, and, and it might be for a half a second and then you might need to do what um, shared teacher of ours said uh, Michelle McDonald once, I'll never forget her she said, and then you head for the hills you know, like sometimes we can touch into heartbreak for two seconds and then we head for the hills. And we need that. We need the space. I was talking to somebody today about um, restlessness. They brought up the topic of restlessness um, in their meditation. So first of all, whoa, you even noticed it. Like that is mindfulness. That is practicing meditation, noticing what's happening. Restlessness is just energy. But of course we don't like it. And I don't mean we up here. I mean, we don't like it in ourselves. So just it, um, the example I gave was, you know, if you had a wild horse and you wanted to help train it, and Tasha may say something different about this, and I'm happy to hear it. Um, but if you put that corral really tightly around them and they're feeling kind of wild, what's going to happen? Yeah. Get out of here. But if you make the corral wider and you find a relationship, a respectful relationship with that being, with that energy, maybe something, some kind of real meeting can happen. This is the practice and the power of meditation because it's so much more than sitting on a cushion. This is like, how many of you are musicians or athletes in here? A lot of your musicians actually came up today. So you know when you do your scales, you know, you do your workout, it's like the same thing, right? Same thing over again. It can be really boring. So mindfulness practice, paying attention, as Chaz was saying today, coming back to the breath, coming back to your body, doing that over and over again. You'll hear in your head like, what is the point of this? Same with the walking. What's the point of this? You keep doing it. What it. Here's the point. It actually brings us in touch with life. The point is we stop running. We stop running from what is. We start to notice more and more. This is what's happening. Hunger is happening. Anger is happening. Fear is happening. Love is happening. Boredom is happening. Touching is happening. Tightening is happening. Burning is happening. Sleeping is happening. Hating is happening. Love is happening. Nothing is happening. Seeing is happening. It's all, it's a ride. And we're in it.
So if we're in it, we might as well get to know it. Because if we run from it, we're going to get exhausted. And you know what? All of this, everything I'm saying, I could, what I'm saying to you, I'm saying based on my own direct experience, what I've taken from the teachings I've heard, but I could do none of it, none of it, without my buds, without my peeps. Because it's scary. It's back to that story I started at the beginning, you know. I realized as I was telling that story, the other thing was there was like self-hatred. You know, I didn't want to be that vulnerable. And then to meet that love, boy, that could help me hold it. Now, I'm aware in this very moment saying that, that some of us in this room may not have other people we can go to. So then we have, we have this. We have right here. We might be in situations where it seriously sucks. I mean, seriously sucks. And we may not have a lot we can do to change it. Don't forget who you are. Don't forget your goodness. Don't forget your worthiness. Don't forget your beauty. And we won't forget it. We see you. We see each other. We have that possibility. This is the practice of meditation. Let's take a few moments to be quiet together. So here's a song that uh, some of you may know, uh, so please join in. To everyone, everywhere, no one, no one excluded. I'm singing it too high, aren't I? All right, start over. To everyone, everywhere, No one, no one is excluded from my heart to everyone everywhere. No one, no one excluded 
from my heart I wish you well my beloved I wish you well my dear friend may we live at ease and even if we know life isn't like that we can wish for it we can hold it we can offer it to each other and doing that here in these days ahead offering it to yourself just in the way that you can there's no perfect way you know what we are offering it to the world have a good snack enjoy your groups thank you for listening to learn how you can support the teachers and dharma seed please visit dharma seed dot org slash donate